Your Bibles, you're close there already. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to take notes. I want you to get the cassette, the CD, whatever you, we have them available. And I want you to meditate upon this. Because, you know, many times I'm inspired. The Lord speaks to me what I'm supposed to preach. And leads me sometimes to just under unction and inspiration, guidance. But they have a definite word for you as we get ready to end 07 and we get ready to go forward into 08. I believe 08 is going to be better than 07. How about you? But we want to bury some things from 07 and from the years beyond. And we want to go forward fresh. And we want to go forward in a mentality, a mindset that Christ wants to give us today. No, you know the Word of God says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Well, you know, one of the translations says that that word transform means to totally renovate. How many of you have ever seen that program on TV, Flip This House? Well, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in to flip your head. Hallelujah. <laughs> and when you see them come in there and they want to totally restore a house, most of the time they don't paint over the old cabinets. How many know they get in there and they tear out the old cabinets? They tear them out and they get new cabinets. And they don't do a lot of tearing. They don't do a lot of repairing. They do a lot of tearing and just get into there and make something that you can't see it when they start. But when it's finished, it just says, wow, they did flip it. Well, how many of you know Holy Spirit's here to flip us and bring us into some places? Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're ending this year off right to get ready to start 08 right in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at everybody and say, you're going to finish strong. Tell them, you're going to finish strong. You're going to finish even stronger this year. And you're going to go in stronger in 08. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. What's the matter? What did I say? Okay, what did I just say? Okay, what I just said is correct. Second Corinthians chapter one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter one. See, I was testing your Greek. Hey, guy, is our friends here? Your work, los hermanos, los hermanos de México, están por aquí? ¿Dónde están? I used to see, see, see. No hay unos visitas en México. Okay, we're looking for a visitor from Mexico. They didn't come today. Hallelujah. Boy, y'all look at me all weird when I do that. <laughs> they don't speak English, so man, we were getting ready for them. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a pearl of death, peril of death, and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and He will yet deliver us. Somebody shout Amen. amen. You also joining and helping us through your prayers. Thank God for the prayers of the saints. So that thanks may be given by many persons on your behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. The favor. Everybody say favor. favor. Oh, through prayers. Look at verse 12. For our proud confidence in this. The testimony of our conscience. The testimony of our conscience. That in holiness and godly sincerity... Not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have counted ourselves in the world, conducted ourselves in the world, and especially toward you, for we write nothing else to you than what we read and understand, and I hope you will understand 
until the end. Just as you par- partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud as you are also ours in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, and this is the confidence I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. But I love the Amplified Bible. Make a note of this. That you might have double favor. That you might have double favor. And I've never heard a message along these lines like what I want to share with you today. Start off with. And the word that I feel is the word of the Lord for the church. Is that for us to end this year strongly and go into 08 with the power and the authority and the boldness and the assurance that we need. Our conscience has to be renewed and restored to testify that we are genuine and we are true before the eyes of God and before the eyes of the world. It says that the testimony of our conscience opens the door for the blessings of double favor. And many times we concentrate so much on the the need of, of, of faith and the need of believing God and proclaiming the Word of God, but yet... We many times have lived a lifestyle to where our conscience has gotten so seared and so broken and so weak that we're not walking. Our conscience cannot testify. Because you see, it's one thing to say something with your mouth. It's another whole thing that your conscience or your thoughts are agreeing with what you're saying out of your mouth. Because I can say a lot of good stuff. But my conscience is my best friend when I go to bed at night and it will be my witness before I stand before my God. And there's something about this. You know, there was a movie, many of you uh, my age and older remember, uh, The Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn and and, uh, uh, Cary Grant. Not Cary Grant, Cary. Who played the Mockingbird? Was that? Gregory Peck, yeah. Gregory Peck, the real man. The other one wasn't. Gregory Peck. And in this movie, Gregory Peck plays an American writer, journalist, and Audrey Hepburn is a princess. But she doesn't want to tell him that she's a princess. So he takes her and he goes to a place called the Mouth of Truth, which if you saw the movie, it was a big rock with a face and it had a mouth. And he said, what they say is that when you put your hand in this mouth, if you don't tell the truth, it'll cut your hand off. And so she's standing there, has never told him that she's a princess. And he, she gets close, but she could never put her hand in that mouth. And she goes, you go first. So he puts his hand in there, and she asks him something, he says it. Then all of a sudden, oh, 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 he's joking, you know. But he goes, now you put yours. Her conscience wouldn't let her put her hand in that mouth. It made her bow to a superstition made her bow to the sayings of a man because her heart condemned her and she couldn't trust even if she could tell the truth. How can we walk in the power, the authority, in the calmness, in the peace, in the rest if we're living a life where our consciences are condemning us? Or if we have silenced our conscience so much that we're no longer sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? And this is not a condemning message. This is a building up edifying message. That if we have lived a life where we live one way, because there's a lot of people who can jump and shout and act real good. But inside their heart's saying, I really don't believe this. I really don't feel this. 
I don't even know if I believe that there is a God. I don't believe in half what I'm hearing. But since everybody's doing this, I'm going to do it too. But on the inside, they're living a life of a mask. And listen, if God knows the real me, the devil knows the real me too. And how can I stand before the principalities and powers and the attacks on this age if I, I really know I'm not who and what I'm supposed to be. And it talks about the testimony of our conscience. And as we go through the Word of God, this word conscience is throughout the Word. The Old Testament, the New Testament. And this Word has come alive to me. If there's anything that I want to live with, I want to live with knowing that I have a godly conscience, that you have a godly conscience, and that we are really who we say we are. Because the Word, the Holy Ghost, the power, the authority, the anointing, the double favor, the twins, Elijah and Elisha, is going to be upon us who have a clear conscience. Now look with me quickly in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Somebody said that conscience is God's deputy, one of His voices, to be influenced by Him. God's deputy. We just read about when we, our conscience testifies that we're living the truth. That opens the door and can be blessed by double favor. How many wants double favor for 08? Well, how's our conscience? Amen? Now look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. 1 John three nineteen, And I want to read this in the NIV. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. How I many know, for you to be bold, you've got to know you belong to the truth. There are people who say they are born-again believers, but they start studying Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucius, and all this other stuff. But when you know that you belong to the truth, there's no more searching, because I know I've got the true God, the true Savior, and the true Word of God. And there's no devil circumstances that talk you out of knowing I belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do whatever pleases God. Did you write these scriptures down to go back and meditate on? I want the power of God. I need to belong to the truth, but also that my conscience tells me in before His presence and before the presence of His angels that I am doing what, you know, living a life of obedience and doing what He's called me to do so that I can ask the Father anything knowing that I have the confidence that He'll give me what I ask of Him. Now, the word, I love the King James Version. It says, I hereby we know we are in the truth and shall assure. Write down that word, assure. And I want to give you the definition. It's amazing what the definition of this word is. The word assure means to make confident and free. But get ready for this. To be assured means to induce as inducing labor. The more my confidence, my thought, my thought life, what I believe is going with the Word and with the Holy Spirit, 
I am inducing labor for that which I am believing God for shall come more quickly than it would have done in the natural. When my conscience and my heart is not condemning me before my God, and as I am believing, on the, standing upon the Word of God, then that which I am using my faith for, it's the confidence of things, though I do not see it, I know it shall come and I shall have it, because my confidence in me before God, He who witnesses for me, to me, and before God, my conscience starts inducing the process to get from God what I'm believing God for. But listen what it also means, the word assure. It means to pacify. Write this down. To pacify or quiet. You need this. To pacify or quiet an accusing conscience. To pacify and quiet an accusing conscience. There's the word conscience. And guess what it also means? It sure means to gain the favor of. The same thing Paul said. John's saying the same thing through another Greek word. That when our conscience is not condemning us to ourselves before God, that I can have this assurance that even though things try to convince me that I am not right with God, I can get a hold of the Word of God and there will be an intensifying of labor pains going on that will cause me to start rejecting the lies and the accusations of the enemy and start quieting, quieting and bringing to total rest my conscience being assured that my sins are forgiven, they are forgotten, and I can stand before God face to face in nothing condemned. Now that is the position God is calling the church to end this year in and to go into the new year in. Amen. Now let me give you the definition of the word confidence. It means freedom. This is the Greek word of this word right here in, in 1 John 3. It means freedom and frank, frankness in speaking. Freedom and frankness in speaking. You can go before God and just be frank. Father, you are going to touch my body. You are going to provide for these needs. Why? My conscience doesn't condemn me and cause me to feel. I don't have to go before God and say, Lord, I'm a worm. If I'm saying I'm a worm, it's because my conscience is telling me I'm a worm. But if I'm listening and I belong to the truth, and the truth is telling me you're not a worm but a son of God, just come on into the Holy of Holies. Amen, church. It means saying all that one thinks boldly, unwavering, fearlessly, unhesitating confidence of faith in communion with Almighty God. It's a relationship built upon that all guilt is gone. Somebody shout out, praise the Lord. Lord. Come on, do you want your guilt gone? If everybody shouts, nobody knows you got it. So everybody shout, hallelujah! Hallelujah. Okay, now nobody knows you ain't got no guilt. Now if you didn't shout hallelujah, stand up. Now we know. Because we've all messed up. And I'm preaching, we're family here today, so I'm going to preach and we're going to talk some things. Because we're a family of God and God wants to bring some assurances in our life. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Guilt. Guilty stain is gone. 
Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say His flesh, and we having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Amen? It says, having been sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies. Everybody say bodies. Hallelujah. Our bodies washed with pure water. Conscience. Verse 17 there says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Now, aren't you thankful that you have repented and your life is right with Christ? Amen. Now, let me give the definition of the word conscience here. The definition of the word conscience is one who is his own witness. One who is his own witness. If our hearts do not condemn us, if our minds do not belittle us, it cannot belittle our faith and we can end up having the faith that causes the mountains to be removed because there's full assurance in our hearts that we are right with God. It means I am one's own witness coming forward as a witness of his own conduct. It means to know oneself. It means to know oneself and it means to know what's right from wrong. It means to be mentally put all together. That's the word conscience. Mentally put all together. It means oral I'm sorry, moral obligation and duty. Moral obligation and duty. Someone said, conscience is not only the greatest preacher who ever lived, but he's the best friend you'll ever have. Someone else said, when you listen to your conscience, does it sometimes seem that you're in the company of a total stranger? Oh, oh that didn't sound like me. Oh, that's not like me to do that. Your conscience is saying, who are you? What have you become? What have you become? What are you doing in your life? What are you doing in your life? You, we, the church, can only represent our head because since we can look God in the face, we can look the enemy totally in the eye. And when our conscience is telling us but look who you are. Look what you've done. If I cannot look, if I cannot look my brother or my sister in the eyes, how will I look Satan in the face? You can see people whose consciences have been seared. They can't look up. They can't look at you. They look at the Bible. They turn their backs. They, they find people to talk to. They do everything they can in church. Because if they belong to the truth, they would be listening to the truth because the Word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But when your conscience is not clear, I'll daydream. 
I'll look around. I'll draw. I'll do everything I can. But I can't look this in the face because it is speaking and convicting me. And I didn't come to church to be convicted. I came to church to feel good. Come on. Your conscience. What have I become? How can I be doing this? And if we keep on, and I'll give you a, a definition in a minute, as we keep on ignoring our conscience and ignoring that still small voice, which is our best friend and the greatest preacher, we grow farther and farther and farther from God. We start looking for things to try to occupy our time. But how many know that our conscience must testify we belong to God? Amen? It's not just my mouth, but my heart must testify of it. Listen to this. This is a saying. You can write this down. Happy is the man who renounces anything that places a strain upon his conscience. Happy. Everybody say happy. Happy is the man who tears down and replaces anything that places a strain upon his conscience. How do you know it's time today to renounce anything that's placing a strain upon my conscience. If there's anything the Word talks and speaks and gives many examples over and over again, it's the importance of having a clear conscience and a sound mind before God. And that's how God wants His body to be as we end this year, as we go into the new. Listen to this. A clear conscience is the softest pillow. Look with me in Isaiah 26. A clear conscience is the softest pillow. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, verse 2. How many know the word for this year is speaking of, this is the year of the gates? The word for the new year? In Isaiah 26, verse 2. I hear, I hear the rustle of pages, so I'll just wait a minute. Isaiah 26, verse 2. Now, this is somebody who's got assurance. Open ye the gates! Oh, God, please open the gates. That's not assurance. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation that keepeth truth may enter in. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is an everlasting strength. Look at verse 12. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. Keep in truth. Now look with me in Psalms chapter 3. Your conscience is your softest pillow. Look at Psalms chapter 3. Psalms chapter 3 verse 1. Psalms chapter 3, verse 1. O oh Lord, how many of my foes, how many rise against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O oh Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cried aloud and he answers me from his holy hill. Look at verse 5. I lie down and sleep. I awake again. 
because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the ten thousands drawn up against me on every side. Verse 8. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be upon your people. How many of you know that he's saying, there are always those who come against me. They may be calling me this, and they may be saying this, and they may be acting this way. I've got ten thousands that are rising up against me. I have all these different things that seem to be against me. But when I go to bed at night, they can just keep on speaking because my conscience is the softest pillow. And when I lay down, it's to sleep. It's not to worry. My wife says that she's got to tell me everything she has to tell me because when my head hits the pillow, I'm asleep. I'll pray for you before I go to bed. But when I go to bed, it's night-night. And that's how He wants you to be. When I got, get up in the morning, I don't have something bothering me. I've already made my peace and my mind has stayed on Him. And I have the peace in my heart to guide and lead me. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It goes along with Psalms 33. And I want to share something with you with this. Psalms chapter, I mean 1 Timothy 4. Verse 12. 1 Timothy I need some scholars to help me because this ain't it. Y'all hurry and help me find where this talks about a seared conscience. 4 verse 2. Oh yeah, 1 and 2, not 12. Thank you. Lord, I think we're healing my eyes. My eyes are not 45 years old in Jesus' name. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Listen to this now. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. He's really expressingly here now. That in the latter times some shall depart from faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now we've heard that many times and we say, what could cause that person? As you've seen on the news here in Channel 5, what would cause a man who calls himself a minister to take a child and abuse her sexually and now spend the rest of his life, if not facing the death sentence, face the rest of his life because of this occult? What would cause people to totally go from natural desires to unnatural animal desires? What would cause this person, this wife, this mother, this woman, who seemed to be such a good woman of moral character, all of a sudden leave her husband, abandon her children, and find somebody on the Internet and go to another state to start a new life? How could someone get a hold of doctrines of devils after knowing the truth and leave the truth to go the way of the enemy? Verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience, everybody say conscience, conscience seared with a hot iron. That word seared, if you're taking notes, means to render unsensitive, hardened, and scorched. To render insensitive, hardened, and scorched. I want to use an example here. 
I know Brother Tom identified with this because they bought a house that the landlord had beat a lot of people out of that house, Brother Tom Bailey, because the house was unwired. Well, he's somewhere else right now, so we'll just let him stay there. Your house. It was bad wiring and the electrical company wouldn't want to hook the electricity up to it. And you ended up having to fight it and get it all rewired. You saw wires like this. The rest of this wires looks totally normal. But how many of you know that if there is a short circuit somewhere, sooner or later, the rubber coating starts getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And how many have ever seen when wires touch? I didn't only see when wires touched. I've experienced when wires touched. And let me tell you, not a lot of people heard this story before, but I've had something happen that I know haven't happened to you. It could only happen to me. In Argentina, our lawnmowers were electric. And extension cords were expensive, so I would buy the thinnest wire to prolong my lawnmower wire to cut my yard. Well, instead of carrying tape and pliers with me, how many of you have ever, with those thin wires, how many have ever pulled the, the rubber off with your teeth? Have you all ever did that? Pull the rubber off with your teeth? Well, I did it so much, I had to have my teeth filed when I got back to the States, but I would pull the rubber off with my teeth. Well, one side did pretty good. But I forgot that the other side was still plugged in. And not only that, but in Argentina, all the current is 220. 220. And you can call me a liar and you can say you should be dead. And I say, yeah, I should have been. But God has grace on the fool. (laughs) And I got that wire. And when I bit and pulled, I felt my head, I thought my head exploded. My eyes came out of, I thought, I thought everything went everywhere. (laughs) And it did hurt. And I did have to go lay down. She said, baby, what's wrong with you? I had to go lay down. If you don't believe me, bite on 220 wire. Bite on it while it's plugged in. No, don't. Don't. Take it from me. God had mercy on me. But I never did it again. Now, I need somebody to help me with this example. Do I, have a, do I have a volunteer? I'm raising my own hand. Okay. Well, guess what? I'm not that stupid anymore. Now, I want to show you something. Psalms, David, Psalms 3, David said, All these ten thousands of enemies are against me. They're speaking against me. Every time I take the offense personal, my wires cross. And the coating of my conscience gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Every time I take an offense, every time I I do something, and I know and my conscience is telling me, please don't. Every time I'm going somewhere and my conscience is saying don't, when I get there, conscience seared. Every time I look at something over. And over and over again, my conscience is being seared. 
So how can a person who once belonged to Christ get so far to where now they are in, are in total rebellion, total occultism, totally out where you can't even understand it? It's because if you keep going there, the more your conscience gets seared, the less coding you have and the less you know God's voice. You hear me, church? You never forget this, will you? Before I say something, before I say something, I want to remember the wires is crossing. I am going against God. Every time I want to say something, my tongue is causing me to fail in sin. I'm crossing the wires with God. I'm about ready to say something. I'm about ready to do something. I'm about ready to go somewhere. I'm getting ready because of pure pressure of friends. I'm getting ready to do this. Or, or whatever the situation may be, every time I do it, it may, my conscience starts off real loud. But the more I do it, the easier it is to do it again next time. And pretty soon, I can come in church Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, brother. Glory to God. Boy, God is blessing, isn't He? Hallelujah. I love you. I can come in church and I can dance and I can do everything there is to do because I have caused my conscience to be so unsensitive that now I can do anything, go anywhere, look anybody in the face, and it does not bother me. Why? Because I have short-circuited my contact with God so much, now I have no conscience. And I can preach when I can run. I've stolen so much, it don't bother me to steal anymore. I can adulterate so much, it don't bother me to adulterate anymore. I can lie so much, it's not even like a commandment. It doesn't even cross my mind. And in America, that's where we find America today, is there is no conscience. I'm pregnant, take it out of me, I don't care how. I don't love him. I want a divorce. And now you don't even need an excuse. Just don't even need a legal separation. Just do it. Conscience is seared. Doesn't work anymore. The Word says that we fall away in the last days. Many will fall away because of strong offenses. One of the Sunday school books we want to do in the future real soon is The Bait of Satan by John Bevere where he talks about the bait of offense. And how could this happen to me? Hiding from reality. All that can be shaken, shaken. The rock of offense. At least we offend them. Forgiveness. Don't give. Don't get. Revenge. The trap. So forth and so on. There are so many things that we want to learn to go to recoat our wires and renovate and flip this house all over again. Amen, church. This is real, something real strong I want to show you. Go with me, please. In 1 Samuel chapter 12. Let me give you an example of how, what the church is going to be like starting the new year off in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Look at me, 1 Samuel. Go with me to chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. This has got to be my, my favorite character in the Word. We both heard God at five years old. And I have studied Him and studied Him. And he has always been my favorite. And I pray and my desire is to end as He ended. 
And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all, as all other nations have. And when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased or it hurt Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out from Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so are they doing to you. Listen, church. Samuel was going through total rejection. And if there's anything that attacks us, it's rejection, any one of us. And he was going through the rejection of his life. But listen, whatever is trying to cause you to become hardened and insensitive to the conscience of the voice of the Holy Spirit, that is the exact place where you get to know God like you've never known Him in that way before. Because listen, the Bible says that we are to conform unto the sufferings of Christ. Samuel went to God and says, God, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting. I was their hero 20 years ago when we defeated the Philistines. I've always been your voice. And you've called me to be the judge over Israel. And now they are rejecting me as judge. And they are rejecting you as their king. And now they want a man in the natural. They want somebody they can see and touch and hear. And he was complaining before God. And when you get that close to God, and when you've walked with God, God will end up also speaking to you saying, look, I am allowing you into the fellowship of my sufferings. I took them out of Egypt. You feel the suffering of being rejected now. I feel the suffering of being rejected since I brought them out of slavery when I came down and I heard their cry. I delivered them from Pharaoh. I delivered from Egypt. I delivered them from making bricks. I delivered them from making straw. I, they cried to me. I brought them across the Red Sea. I fed them with manna. I gave them supernatural clothing. I was with them as a cloud by night. And a fire by night. And a cloud by day. Now, you feel my heart. And what they are doing against you, they're doing against me. I can handle it. You can't. So cast your cares on me. That when they attack you, and they hurt you, and they ridicule you, and they blame you, and, and they speak against you, all these manner of things, your conscience will be your pillow. You go to sleep, because let the burden be upon me, says the Lord. Don't worry about them rejecting you because to reject you is to reject me. You hear this church? You hear this church? Here in the real world, not some make-believe world, not some world we want to make up here in the real world, the rejection, the attacks, the hypocrisy, the backbiting, the lying, uh, the, the people at work, whatever you may be going through with family, whatever it may be, they're not doing against you. They're doing against your God. Because their spirit's wrong. But you make sure, we make sure, we keep our spirits right. 
Because the more I accept rejection and the more I accept anger and the more I want to retaliate and get revenge, he's saying, vengeance is not yours, but mine, saith the Lord. I allow you to sense my heart in the middle of this, but do not allow this to sear your conscience. Because if you allow those people to stop you, then I cannot use you to reach the people who are coming in. You hear me, church? Mm. Now look with me in chapter 12. 1 Samuel 12. First Samuel 12. I'm almost through. Just a few more minutes. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. And Samuel said unto all of Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that you said unto me, and I have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you. And I'm an old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood until this day. Verse 3. He goes back to the words he said in 1 Samuel 3 when he told the Lord, Here am I. It's amazing. You always go back to the beginning of your relationship with Jehovah. He says in verse 3, Behold, here I am. Listen to this now about conscience. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eyes therewith? And I will restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. He is witness. Do you hear me, church? Let them say what they want to say. Let them opinionate all they want to opinionate. Let them think all that they want to think. But Lord, you are a witness. And my conscience is witness. That they traded a king with a conscience for a king with no conscience. So they could live out the desires of their heart. I want Saul with no conscience before I have a Samuel prophet with a conscience. I want a seeker-friendly church that doesn't work on conscience. I want a church that doesn't work and preach about sin and Satan and all those things because I don't want my conscience stepped on. I don't want the Lord as my king I want me as my king. I want a man I can touch. A man I can sin with. I want somebody who don't make me feel convicted around him. I want somebody who I know. I never rebuke me. Never speak to me about what I'm doing wrong. I want someone just like me to be above me. Woo! It's quiet in this church. 
But it is the truth. I've been asked at pastor's meetings after how to grow your church, how to pay your church, this and that. I've had them ask me, how did you do it? I say the first most important thing. They tell me that they've taken the building fund money and they've blessed this evangelist and they've taken the building fund money and the missions money and did this and that. I say, you want to know one of the answers? When a money is designated for something, that entire amount goes for what is designated for. Because if you're going to break the law of man, you're breaking the law of God. In this church, I have never taken from one account to put into another. When you give towards something, towards any missionary, towards any event, towards anything at all, all of it, all of it goes to where it's designated because it's the law of man, but it's also the law of God. You can lose your tax write-offs if you defraud and you take money given for something and use it for something else. This church has been through a lot this year. We lost our worship leader. But my, my conscience is clear. He had his choice and he made it. We lost two of the biggest givers we've ever had. They left. My conscience is clear and the Lord is witness over my conscience. Lately I've lost an elder and his wife. I've got the whole conversation recorded and written. I said, did God tell you to leave? He says, no. He says, I don't have to roost in the same place. And I said, am I in sin? He said, no. I said, am I teaching error? He said, no. I said, am I doing anything wrong? He said, no. He says, you're doing everything with the money, the church, everything right. I said, why are you leaving? Why did you tell someone else to tell me that you're leaving? He says, well, I'm telling you now, I'm checking out. This is the end of the year before the Lord. My conscience is clear. The rest is between him or anyone else before God. You know why couples that I was close to, that I had in leadership positions, do you know why couples left before? Because they were already planning because of affairs or friendships to get a divorce. But they couldn't do it inside of the church, so they had to get out of the church. Then they separate and get their divorce. Because in the church, their consciences weren't cleared. The way we handle things at this church, the way we do things at this church, the way I preach, the way I counsel, the things I do, my conscience is clear. And the Lord is my witness. And I want you to see something here. This has gotten good, so I'm not quitting. Verse 18. Because y'all waiting to see if I get struck by lightning, aren't you? Verse 18. Now look at this. When your conscience does not condemn you, look what you can do. God comes to your aid. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Woo! It was, if you study the harvest time, it was not the time of thunder and rain, but that day God confirmed, this man is clear before me. And the devil, the accuser, cancer, whatever it may be, try to come against you, God will sound out with thunder and lightning says, this is my daughter, this is my son. Their conscience and their heart is clear before me. And how dare you touch the anointed? Yeah. 
to Cindy, Brother Ray, they count the money and all that. I don't, I don't even look at tithe records. I have people say, Pastor, I guess you saw I haven't tithed. No, I haven't saw that. That's between you and God. I, I do not look at tithe records. I don't touch the money. But they do. And they are witnesses. That the day I get a phone call or a newsletter, I mean or email, attacking me, criticizing me, telling me they're leaving the church, how many times do we end up getting the biggest offering even on a week? during a weekday, not even a service. Even this week, on an off day, after bad news, the money came in to buy the ice maker. On a day, when I got the worst of news, a lady came in and gave Brother Jake and I 20000 and said, I want this spent on the youth. I can tell you story after story after story after story after story, that on the worst nightmares, God always showed His favor and His approval. Have we not seen that, Sister Cindy? Have we not seen that, Brother Ray? Why? Because I stand before God and it hits and it hurts. But I spoke to different ones on the phone and I cried and I, and I shared my love and how deep my love was. And it mattered nothing. It hurt, and I felt like Samuel, but I remembered, God, they're not rejecting me. They told me they didn't pray about it. They told me they didn't hear from God about it. Uh, uh, they, didn't, well, they told me they didn't hear from God about it. They told me that there's nothing wrong with the preaching, the teaching, my pastoral. They could find nothing wrong. They were just checking out. Lord, I stand before you as my witness that my conscience is clear that I have, I said, have I hurt you? Have I humiliated you? What have I done to you publicly? They said nothing. I have it taped. I have it recorded. I have it in their own voice. Look with me in John. John chapter 8. Let's look at Jesus here. John chapter 8. John 8 verse 46. John chapter 8, verse 46. I'm almost through. Okay? John chapter 8, verse 46. Which of you convinces me of sin? Or which of you convicts me of wrongdoing or finds guilty of sin? Then if I speak truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God listens to God. They belong to God and hear the words of God. Verse 47, amplified. This is the reason that you do not listen to those words. Because you do not belong to God and you are not of God. Or, here's the part, in harmony. In harmony. In harmony. It's not that you aren't a brother in the Lord, but you are not in harmony with God. So how can I expect you to hear from God when your life is not in harmony with God? How can I base my ministry or base my life or base my home on what you say when you are not in harmony from God? Because somebody has heard from the wrong God. Somebody has silenced conscience and someone has silenced the Spirit of God because I don't want Samuel. I won't saw. I don't want a preacher of righteousness. I want a preacher of prosperity. Well, I'm both. 
But, but, you can't have the prosperity if you don't live in the righteousness. Let me show you one more scripture. Psalms. Will you let me go there? Proverbs. I'm sorry. Proverbs. Chapter 28. I know it's late. I know you're hungry. And I got a better sermon tonight. So you need to go home and come back. Because it's going to be good. God gave me a word for Sunday night. And I wanted to preach it this morning. Then he gave me this. I said, okay. Proverbs 28. And I'll finish. Proverbs 28. This is the Living Bible. Yours won't sound like this. But I want you to hear what the New Living Bible says. How many know we heard about the conscience that you have double favor? And benefits and blessings. We read that in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians. Didn't we read that? Now listen to Proverbs 28, verse 14 in the New Living Translation. Listen very closely. Blessed are those who have a tender conscience, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. The first part. Blessed are those who have a tender conscience. How many of you know, I want a tender conscience. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. He is healing consciences because of failures. You know, I've never done nothing right. I I don't see why I can do anything right now. Because of mistakes. Because of things that we've done wrong in our life. Accidents, sins, reoccurring sins, habits. Bombard us. Bombard us. Bombard our minds, bombard our consciences and tell us you're no good, you're unworthy, you're not fit. Tell us all these type of lies. But this day, in the hearing of God, God is saying, I want to heal my people's conscience and cause them to be sensitive again so that I can bless them. I want my people, I want my business people to be sensitive that no matter what the cost is, I will not lie in numbers. I will not lie to the government. I will not cheat my government. I will not cheat my fellow man. But I will do business righteously so that my conscience is clear so that my God can bless. A tender conscience. In our marriage, with our children, whatever the area may be in, God is wanting to hear heal our consciences today. So that you don't live a life bombarded by what you've done wrong, but all about what He's done right to make you free. And that your conscience can be restored today. And any areas of hardness and habits or areas that we've gone into that we know, like a child, we know we shouldn't have gone there, but we did. He wants to heal you and touch you today and get ready to move on your heart And make available to you a new and a clear and a tender conscience before God. 